Well, good morning. Welcome to Redeemer. If you're a visitor, we're glad you're here. Last week, I talked on a message in our series, In God We Trust. And last week's message was uh, in response to the election. And as followers of Christ, I just made certain suggestions about how we pray for this ugly election season and how we probably likely all will be glad when it's finished. Um, but ultimately, keep praying and be sure and vote on Tuesday. If you want to listen to that podcast, it's on our website. Today, I want to shift to a, um, another theme of this In God We Trust and the subject of generosity. And I first want to kind of give an illustration here. I've got a prop. A man named Stephen Covey, in his book, First Things First, reminded us how, how we have to prioritize our lives they won't just prioritize themselves automatically. So here's a good-sized little rock. And just imagine, it was too heavy to carry out with full of rocks, but imagine rocks roughly this size filled up this whole jar. And so you would see it and you would say, that jar is full. Well, if I came along with a handful of gravel and I threw the gravel in, it would find its way through the crevices of all the rocks and it wasn't full after all. And then if I took some sand and I added that to this mix of rocks and now gravel and now sand, the sand would find its way through the crevices of the, the rock and the gravel. And then you would say, well, that jar is completely full. And then if I took a glass of water and I poured it in, amazingly enough, there would still be room for that water. And so maybe then it would finally be full. So you're thinking, what's the moral to this story? My life is busy and the job of my life is just to cram in as much as I can. Actually, no. It's about priorities. It's about what things come first in life? Because when I look over this group, and I know most of you, there's, there, the jar is pretty full. There's a lot of stuff in your life. So the question becomes, in the midst of all the stuff in your life, are you prioritizing the big rocks? And are you putting the big rocks first so that you have other things that you can put in there that are also important to you. If you put the big rocks first, there's room. If you don't, there simply isn't. So Jesus had a take on this. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you as well. If I could paraphrase that verse, let me put it this way. Jesus said, pay attention to the big rocks in your life and prioritize those first. And then all the other things in your life, the good things, the things you want to do, the things that bring you joy, those will be added to you as well. Today we're gonna to take a look at Genesis chapter 13. It's the whole chapter, it's a long reading, but it's a whole wonderful, amazing story. So if you'd find your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 13, first book in the Bible, 
We're going to hear the story about Abram and Lot and the respective choices they made about the priorities of their life and see how that applies to us in terms of the, the whole of our lives, but particularly into the realm of how generous we choose to be. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I also want to say that in this passage, and I'm much aided by the commentary of my colleague at Christ Church of Oakbrook, Dan Meyer, with whom I worked and have great respect for, and his commentary on this passage um, was very helpful to me in this preparation. So Genesis chapter 13. So Abram, we know him mostly as Abraham, but he's not yet named Abraham. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that not, they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So, parentheses here, this was a place that had more herds and people than was reasonable they needed to divide. So, verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar. He saw it that it was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Again, they lived in that Nile River Valley and they saw this well watered land. There's a parenthesis in the text itself that says, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11, so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived in the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offering like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it all to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. This is really quite a story. 
You have Abram and you have his nephew, Lot. They're friends, they're relatives, they're close, they love one another. But they had come to a moment of choice as they left Egypt and they crossed the Negev Desert, which supports very little life, toward the lands that they would ultimately settle in that could support life. And they decided together that their possessions were too great to stay encamped in the same place. And so Abram suggests to Lot, Abram made the suggestion. Abram made the first offer. He suggested that Lot decide where he wanted to go and that Abram and his flocks would go the other direction. Lot, nephew, you choose. You choose the land you want and I'll go the other way. Lot looked around and he saw the plains of Judah, this wonderful, bountiful plain that was well watered, that would support all kinds of animals, the herds, the cattle, the, the goats, the sheep, all of those would be well supported there. It could grow crops. And then Lot looked around and he also saw the big city of Sodom. He saw the lights from afar. He saw that this was a place of real activity and real um, fun. This was a place that was a thriving city. When he looked off into Canaan, he didn't see a place like that. So Lot chose. He chose the thriving city. He chose the thriving land. And Abraham went the other way just as he promised that he would. Now, if you boil down Lot's choice to its simplest conclusion, Lot's decision came down to his self-interest, his comfort, and his desire for more material wealth. Remember, Lot was a wealthy man when he made his choice. When he made his choice for more, Lot was already a wealthy person. He had plenty of goods. He had abundant flocks. He had uh, all that life in the ancient world could possibly have been offered to him. He had been a blessed person. Now, let me say right off the bat that a choice to make more money or have more stuff is not necessarily, on the face of it, a poor choice. God does bless people. And there are people, even among us, who are very blessed. And God is not looking at you saying, you're a bad person, or you should never have wanted to acquire more. It's really a value neutral kind of thing. It's what you do with the resources that you've been blessed with that's the issue. So God is not angry at, at Lot for choosing more. It's that his, his priorities were in the wrong order. His priorities were not toward generosity. His priorities were not just that he had material things. His problem was he prioritized material wealth over all other things. Abram's choice may have looked foolish at the time, but his gracious prioritizing caused God ultimately to greatly increase Abram's fortune and especially his influence in the ancient world. So after Lot had gotten to his new territory, 
Lot chose to build his home near the city of Sodom, a place widely known for its godlessness. He became very influential in that place himself, and eventually he and his wife were so attached to Sodom that they could not leave, and that choice turned out to be stunningly bad. Abram, on the other hand, made a different choice. When he got to Bethel, he made his first priority the building of an altar. In doing so, he was making a statement. God was his first priority. Among all the other things and attributes of Abram's life, among all the blessings that he had, God was his first priority. So Adam also, or Abram I should say, Abram not only chose the priority of generosity over wealth, he also prioritized other people. Very much at the beginning of the story, he said to Lot, you, you take the land you want, you take the land you want, and then I'll go to the other direction. What if it had been turned around the other way? What if Lot would have said, you know, I, I want to defer to you, Uncle Abram. I want to defer to you. Eventually, Lot got into trouble. He got into serious trouble and people were after him. And in the next chapter of Genesis 14, Abram had to, leave a, to lead a rescue mission to rescue Lot and to save his life in a time of severe crisis. And as a result of that, Abram actually acquired more territory and more herds and Abram was blessed even more. And Abram's first act after being blessed evermore was always to give God the first fruits of his own wealth. Proverbs 11.24 the New Living Translation says, give freely and become more wealthy. Become stingy and lose everything. Abram acted with that kind of wisdom. He trusted God. He gave God the first fruits. He gave God the first fruits of his life and he reaped a continual harvest as a result. This morning, we're gonna share in Holy Communion together. And I wanna give you three questions to think about as you have time to be still and to ponder and to, to receive the Lord, but also just to have some time to think. The first question is this, what or who do you put first in your decision-making about the use of your resources, all of your resources. Who do you put first in your decision-making about the use of your own resources? Do you think about the big rocks first? Or do you, like I have some in my life, think more about the admiration or approval of other people in the use of my resources? Do you think about putting God first or do you or I think about putting um, our personal comfort first? Those are essential questions to ask. You've heard probably many times in the church about how we are called to give a tithe, 10% of our first fruits to God. Some wise person once said, if you don't buy that, 
then just understand your tithing to somebody or your tithing to something. Because God only asks for the first fruits. He doesn't ask for all of them. The second question I'd like you to think about is what would you need to change if God received the first and best of your resources? Let me say that one again. What would need to change if God received the first and the best of your resources? Back in college days, I had an unusual job. I worked at a small church in Norman where I was the youth director and janitor. That's how they could cobble together a salary package for me. I could be youth director and janitor. It was a very small youth group. The building wasn't that big. And I made a grand total of $60 a month. So every now and then I just like to remember that, that you know, God still provided. So I'm youth director at this church, and on Saturdays I would go in to, to clean the building for Sunday morning, and occasionally people would come in on Saturdays to get something ready for Sunday. And one day, a guy drove in the parking lot with his pickup, and he came in the building and he said, hey, Bill, would you help me carry out this old couch I've got? And I said, sure. Um, he said, I talked to the pastor. He said, I could donate this old couch to the church. It's, it's in pretty bad shape, but... I, we're going to give it to the church. And so we, I helped him haul it in. We put it in a hallway. Um, and he was telling the story about how he and his wife decided to give this couch to the church. He said, we were sitting on it one night. And we said, this is a really tattered, kind of nasty looking couch. We ought to give this to the church. <laughs> now, I had the same reaction, but I was in no place to tell him we didn't want his couch. So we put the couch in the hallway, and, but I started thinking. They made a decision to give the worst piece of furniture in their house to the church. Something's wrong with this picture. I've always remembered that. I've always remembered that as I would pass that for another year or so that I worked there. That old tattered couch just sitting in this hallway because they gave essentially their last fruits to the church. That's the question really to ponder. What would change if God got the best and the first fruits of our lives, not the leftovers or not the things that we really didn't want anymore? God asks for a tithe. The number matters, but the principle is even more important than the number. The principle is we give God our first and our best, not the stuff that doesn't matter. The third question is this one. Are you a blessing receiver or a blessing giver? Think about Lot. Again, in Dan Meyer's commentary, he writes that Lot's whole life could have been different and it could have been a lot better if he had said to Abram, Uncle Abram, please, church, please choose first your preferred tract of land. Uncle Abram, you've been good to me all my life. I revere you as my uncle. You choose first. If he had done that, Lot's life would have been altogether different. Abraham was wise and generous and prioritized 
his nephew over his own interests. What would have happened to Lot if he had done the same? A young pastor in North Carolina, J.D. Greer, who's a very effective pastor and also a frequent blogger, has written something um, that is somewhat prophetic and mildly offensive that I want to share with you. Now you're, now you're waiting to hear how you're going to be offended. He describes the American consumer mentality this way. He said that the way most of us live is to get all you can, can all you can, and then sit on your can. I don't think most of the folks here think that way. But somehow there is something about living in modern day life in this very blessed country that creeps into us and causes us to think that way. That the success to life is dependent upon us obtaining all we possibly can. That in itself is not wrong. But then storing up all that we can so that we can just do nothing someday. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. It's living with an open hand of generosity where we say, the first of what I receive goes back to God. And then as God prompts me to help and to bless other people, I will do that too. Because I want my life to be a blessing. I don't want to simply just be blessed as good as that is. I want my life to flourish and I want my church to flourish. I want the people around me to flourish. I want people in faraway places to flourish. I want refugees to flourish. I want children to flourish who don't have anything for Christmas. I want to be a part of a flourishing world. And to have that perspective, you have to have a perspective like Abram's. This week, you'll receive a, a letter from me and a, a card. And that card is, for want of a better term, a pledge card. Many of you fill that out every year and we're grateful for that. Some of you choose not to. We don't come and, we don't keep sending them until you send it in. This is not a legalistic thing to do. But when you get that pledge card, I would ask you to do simply one thing. Ask this, yourself the question, am I a generous and giving person? And what will I do in the coming year to be generous and giving toward the people of God and those whom we serve? That's the one question to ask. And I will fully trust you to declare that answer based on what God tells you to do. But remember Abram and remember Lot. Their lives could have been completely different if Lot's could have been so much better if he had chosen generosity. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, as we approach the Lord's table today, as we receive the elements of the Lord's Supper, as we share together in this promised meeting of you by your Holy Spirit, meeting with your own people, as we ponder the wonder and mystery of that, would you help us to prioritize our life in life-giving and generous ways? 
so that we might experience your fullest blessing and your fullest sense of joy. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.